Rose Tinted Glasses. I'm Katie. And I'm Bailey. Today, we're going to be talking about fanfiction in lots of aspects of it. And in general, how uh, fanfic is becoming even more popular as sort of published media and not just as fanfiction on the internet. To start, we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, what fanfiction is and then our personal experience with it. So basically, fanfic is um, amateur authors writing, and it's had a few different forms throughout the time, which we'll get to in a second. Um, I definitely did not write fanfiction. Oh, I I did. Constantly from a young age. All the time. I also read it a lot. I definitely played out fanfic-like stories in my head where, you know, I got to meet, like, the band member or the sports star or whatever, but I never took pen and paper or key to key, uh, fingers to keyboards and, like, typed or wrote any of it. And I actually didn't read a lot of it either. Really? No. I really, I mean, I think maybe in the early days of Harry Potter fandom, I probably read some of it. But I never really went on to like any of the fanfiction websites for fanfic unless it was something that someone told me to go read. Like, I've obviously read My Immortal because <laughs> it's a cultural touchstone, but that, you know, I didn't go read other Harry Potter fanfic. Interesting. That's that's very different from my experience. I spent lots of time reading fanfic. I remember one time I was like, I had the LG Shine, which was that like slide up dumb right. phone. It was like a precursor to a smartphone. And I had internet access and I didn't realize it was data. And I was like in a hotel lobby waiting for my mom to deal with something. And I was reading a piece of fan fiction for like three hours. And apparently it was very expensive because we used to have to pay for data like that. I'm sure it was. I can't my imagine. My parents got mad at me. And that was in, like, high school, so. Right. I remember hitting the end button, like, rapidly and repeatedly if you accidentally touched the internet icon on, like, my Motorola mm-hmm. Razor. I had the hot pink one. Good. As you should. As you deserve. Right. I remember the coolest thing you could do was play Tetris on it, and that did not take data. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, I read and wrote fanfiction. My best friend and I used to, like, tandem write fanfiction or, like, we would send each other what we wrote, and the best and most horrifying story is that we wrote we wrote Half-Blood Prince before it came out, because we knew the title, and we'd know anything else about it, and we wrote it. There was a literal prince. Yeah, who was the literal prince? I need to know. He was just, he was just a new guy. His name, oh, I think, okay, was Steven. Okay. It was just a new guy. He was a prince. And Harry and Draco were his co-bodyguards. <laughs> I wish I could show you Bailey's face right now. <laughs> no, I love this because there's nothing like the two guys in school who hate each other the most being forced to protect a random character. Yeah, it was great. And he was such... The prince was such a little shit. Um, it, that's most of what... I do remember so vividly there was this one scene where... Kaylee wrote it and it was Ron was like having a dream and like talking in his sleep and it was like clearly a, an amorous dream about Hermione 
and then she passed it over to me. And so then I had to write the scene where they like wake up and deal with the ramifications of that. And in his sleep, he had been saying stuff like, oh, Hermione, oh, my pet, yes. And so I wrote it as though he was trying to explain it away as though he was chasing his pet rabbit and Hermione was like in the way or something. Anyway, it's mortifying. Um, it was very fun. I love that. I used to do that with semi-regularity. <laughs> and that just reminds me how often or like how common it was to see like co-authorship of things where you you would work with someone else to write sections of the same story and publish it that way. So I, mm-hmm. though I didn't read fan fiction, I was very well aware of what it was and all the stuff that sort of went along with it. I think because I was on Tumblr and a lot of fan fiction got sort of cross-posted, I guess is how you would describe it, to Tumblr or snippets of it or links to it or mm-hmm. memes that became a thing from specific fan fictions within that fandom. So I know some of this stuff um, and obviously uh, <laughs> I know about like Wattpad, though I was never on it. Yeah, I never used Wattpad. I actually really never used Tumblr for fanfic. Um, I used Tumblr, obviously, for other stuff, but not porn. I'm sorry. I feel like that implies that I was on it for porn. I was just on it for fandom stuff, but not particularly fanfic. <laughs> sorry, baby. I hadn't swallowed my drink. water yet, and Katie's like, not for porn. <laughs> sorry. So I knew what you Like, I didn't think of that. I thought of fandom things, like dumb screen caps of supernatural yeah exactly exactly i just wanted to clarify like the meat apocalypse like that's what i pictured (laughs) but okay anyway uh it was always fanfiction.net for me and uh i actually used to use fanfiction.net had a sister website called fictionpress.com or dot net i don't know but it was basically the exact same website, but it was for original fiction. And I used to spend a lot of time reading stuff on there, too. I'm sure that was uh, interesting. It was. There were a few really good stories. But obviously now as an adult, I have seen the light. And Archive of Our Own is definitely the superior fan fiction website. I I don't know if it wasn't around really when I was young or if it just wasn't as popular. But it's it's a good website. It took me a stupidly long time to figure out what AO3 stood for. (laughs) Like, because, again, I didn't really go on to any of the websites and consume fanfiction, but people would always reference AO3 on Tumblr, and I finally had to follow a link to a fanfic to figure out what it was, uh, because uh, I had no idea. Also, I just looked it up, and it was founded in 2008. So... okay. So that would have been on the tail end of when I was, like, deep into a lot of this. Right. So and it, I it wouldn't have been around when I was an elementary school student reading on fanfiction.net. Right. And also, I know now, like, the reason it's so great is it ha- it's a very well-organized website that you can search by tags and filter out so many things to extreme detail level. And who knows in 2009, 2008, how well that was. Like, how that worked, mm-hmm. if it was as good then as it is now. But since you said that, I just wanted to look it up and see when it came about. Since it's now, mm-hmm. yeah, the predominant source for fan fiction. Yeah. So, hey, that's a, that's a little bit of our personal experience. Sounds like I have 
a little to a lot more personal experience than Bailey. Mine is all periphery, so it's going to be really... <laughs> the, uh, looking up some things for this episode was fun because I learned stuff I didn't know. I still have not read all the young dudes or anything, though, so, you know. Yeah, I actually, I've still only read year one of all the young dudes, and it was it was fine. Um, I'm sure the rest of it's really good, but I have not I have not finished it yet either. That is one fanfic that I think is in the the modern history of fanfic, but fanfiction actually started, as far as we can tell, um, in late 1960s fanzines as from the Star Trek fandom, which is generally considered one of the first like big fandoms, I guess you could say, and a lot of it was written by women. Yeah, that's not surprising to me. No, I feel like women i would have wanted content created for my my consumption that maybe star trek didn't have necessarily focused on such a broad audience back then and i love the the Mm -hmm. the idea that fanfic was started by women yeah me too i feel like a lot more stuff is was started by women than we realize i think that probably also contributes to a little bit of the stigma around fan fiction though because Women are not allowed to like cool things in the patriarchy. Nope, we can't create or like things. Uh, Anyway, fuck men. Moving on. Yeah, so it definitely grew, I think, with the rise of the internet, especially in that era of, like, late 90s, early 2000s, when, like, those, like, fanfiction.net was big enough to get an audience, and it became what I would consider way more mainstream. And like I just said, it was seen as something that was, like, shameful and it had this big stigma around it when we were growing up like you never admitted to anyone in public that you read or wrote fan fiction no you did not it was definitely more of a um done in secret consumption of media because i don't know how i want to say this it it felt like based on my experience in the harry potter fandom like reading fanfic was not cool because you were like throwing canon out even though that's not what fanfic meant it meant that like somehow you didn't like canon if you were consuming fanfic like not a true thing i had i don't know that i had that um experience or saw people claiming that i thought it was always more like oh like you're so lame you spend your time like writing about fictional worlds like it was seen as like super like nerdy and like I don't know, just lame. Yeah, I mean, growing up, like, doing anything like reading books was considered lame, so that... Right, and it, there was this, like, extra layer where it's like, oh, you're not even, like, reading books, or you're not even writing original fiction. You're, like, you're just staying in this one world, and, like... I mean, again, I never really got the stigma, and, you know, now it's it's mostly gone, but I feel like it was way more about, oh, it's, like, super lame that you keep going back to this, like, one property for all of your entertainment. Right. Which is fair. Like I said, I don't have... We definitely do not have the same experience with fanfiction, so I could have been seeing, like, a different side of the community via these outside Mm -hmm. sources than what you were experiencing while you were reading fanfic. But, yeah, it definitely was not talked about in a popular way. It wasn't cool to have read all of these things. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I really like now that it's it's way more openly discussed and people are like happy and proud to like read and write fan fiction. And we're gonna circle back to this in a minute, but it even frequently gets published and like popular. Right. I'm sure you guys are already thinking of some of the more well-known popular published fanfics, but we, we will get to them. Um, yeah. First, we want to talk a little bit more about like tropes and the rise of tropes in terms of fanfic. Obviously, tropes are a thing that have always existed in media, but it feels like fanfiction and the way fanfics are like tagged and sorted, particularly with the rise of, of Archive of Our Own, has really codified a lot of the tropes and i think that they're way more talked about in the mainstream now right and i feel like a lot of fics that are tagged as some of these tropes were written specifically to fulfill these tropes versus some of the published media was employing the tropes within their storyline and not just because of the trope does that make sense Mm -hmm. like especially when we talk about um like slash fix that was written to for that to be a slash fic and then things like enemies to lovers was in published work just as part of the trope used to continue the story versus you were only reading this for enemies to lovers um i know i jumped ahead mm-hmm. to like the most exciting tropes i'm sorry <laughs> yeah so there are still a few tropes that i think are more or less relegated to fan fiction and that includes slash that bailey mentioned if you're not familiar slash is shorthand for male slash male m slash m and it's um just a shorthanded way to refer to any sort of queer fic and it was really popular to take existing properties that didn't have any queer characters or the queerness was like super subtextualized and not open and write fiction of of those characters in queer relationships so you know the big examples are always going to be dean and Cass from supernatural and um harry and draco from harry potter was always a big one right i remember even in non-fanfic spaces people would talk about um harry draco as one of their ships but it was definitely Mm -hmm. started and mainly on fan fiction websites because a lot of more mainstream fan sites weren't going to sort of give legitimacy, I guess, to the slash fic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit in our It's Gain It Slaps episode, but this was a way for the queer community um, and also a lot of fetishizing straight girls to engage in queer media when it wasn't provided for them. So they they did it themselves. Right. And I think the reason I say that Slash is still mostly a fanfic trope is because when characters are queer in media, like, that's just the media. That's just the fic part of the fanfic. And uh, you still see a lot of of Slash and reimaginings with with queer or queerer characters in fanfic. Right. That is one trope that I don't think can really be legitimized to published media because of the way it is like as you said if they're a queer person a character in regular fiction they're just queer it's not a slash fic Mm -hmm. anymore Mm -hmm. another one that that still mostly lives in um fanfic and these are all just a function of them 
being transformative works of of original properties. So, and that's going to be alternate universe fix. So things like the coffee shop AU, which is where you take two of your favorite characters and you typically one of them owns a coffee shop and the other one goes to the coffee shop a lot and they fall in love and it's very cute. It's like or, putting the property into a Hallmark movie. Mhm. Yeah, that's a really good way to say it. Yeah. Because you've got like There's the also- small town and the new person comes in and they fall in love and <laughs> I feel like coffee shop AUs are just like heartwarming usually. Yeah. They're like warm and comfy and they're just nice and it's just a way for you to watch your, your the characters you like fall in love. There's also um soulmate AUs which typically mean you have some sort of indicator as to who your soulmate is or how long you have until you meet your soulmate and like it can be something on your like written on your wrist from your, the day you were born or whatever there's some sort of like universal um indicator that you like have a soulmate right and i don't necessarily see any of this in like published media now but where i do see this or did when i first started using it was tiktok like povs mm-hmm. You have your lover's first words to you tattooed on your arm, which is mm-hmm. just straight out of a fanfic AU. But they mm-hmm. put it on Tumblr in a 60-second video. Uh, yeah, and typically either the two characters you like were soulmates and they had to discover and reckon with it, or sometimes they weren't soulmates and they still had to choose each other. It was, they're very cute. I like, I'm down for a soulmate AU. There's also... Oh, I was just going to say there's high school, which is where you take the characters from the property and plop them in, in my experience, a typical American high school, Mm -hmm. which I think probably is in part to help you uh, feel like these characters are more relatable because you're putting them into situations you dealt with every day. Yeah, I used to see a lot of Game of Thrones high school AUs. (laughs) <laughs> the look of shock that just crossed my face because i just can't even imagine how any of this would work well it it takes out all the like violence and it basically plops like john and sansa and i don't know ramsey bolton and danny and they're like all in a high school and now it's like it's like clicks instead of countries you know what i mean or like you don't know what I mean. no i'm just you're, very, very you're looking at me very skeptically I'm just very skeptical. Like, I just... Maybe it's because I feel like, like it or not, like, the violence and political machinations of Game of Thrones is so integral to, like, that, that I'm not able to separate it to have, like, a fun high school AU. It's probably a me problem. I just... That's the beauty of fan fiction. Where are the dragons? Uh, they may not... She just have cats? usually, Usually it's just, like, the dragons are the high school mascot and like there aren't or maybe they're like the dire wolves are like danny (gasps) danny goes to dragon high school and the starks go to wolf high school or whatever there's lots of different ways you can do it okay we just create (laughs) yep cool they go to dragon high school and wolf high school (laughs) and lion Um, high school you know whatever oh yeah there's more families it's fine And then another one, which I don't even know that we, like, deeply want to get into in this episode, is the ABO AUs. (laughs) Confirmed. I actually don't want to get into ABO at all. But (laughs) 
Um, but so ABO is alpha, beta, omega. It's a it's a very weird and complicated werewolf AU. I'm not. You can look it up. I recommend Lindsay Ellis's video essay on ABO. It has slightly um, ble- started bleeding out into. not really traditional publishing, but like self-publishing. There are a bunch of self-published ABO books out there now. And again, Lindsay Ellis has actually two very interesting video essays about the ABO world. But that's something that started started in and is very particular to fan fiction. Yes. Uh, We would be remiss not to mention it, but we are not getting into it. (laughs) Absolutely not. Best of luck to you if you choose to look that up. Uh, the the next big thing that I definitely remember from fanfiction is YN fix, like Y slash N, your name. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you, the author would write this whole fic, and anytime the the main character who's experiencing everything, instead of having a name, it would be YN, so that you could mentally replace your name with that space, so as if you were in the fic to meet, uh, like Edward Cullen. Yeah, it's basically advanced self-insert fanfic, where the other people do the self-inserting for you, and then you just get to read it as if it's you. There are Chrome extensions that will replace the Y slash N with your actual name. I know this because of reasons. I'm not taking any questions at this time. It's funny that I used Edward Cullen as as an example, and then you're like, wow, it's like easier self-insert. I mean, honestly, um, was Twilight ever a hard self-insert <laughs> novel? <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You should say it. That's why we're here. <laughs> so those are some of the, the like exceptionally fanficy tropes, but there are lots of other tropes that I think have always been around, specifically in romance, but there are things that are are I think talked about way more openly and we we really use them as a tool to categorize traditionally published books and that's things like Bailey mentioned enemies to lovers friends to lovers um the one bed trope things like hurt comfort I think read that that line of in between fanfic and more traditional a little bit right like I said earlier the those romance tropes are things that you definitely saw somewhat in published books, more traditionally published books, but because of fanfic were called out, tagged, you could search by them so that everything that you could say, like, I only want to read Hurt Comfort Fix with Dean and Cass, and it would Mm -hmm. sort all of those out for you instead of having to go browse at the library and hope you got the, the right kind of book. Which I will just say, if you only wanted to read Hurt Comfort, Dean and Cassfix, I really hope you're in therapy. It was the quickest example I could think of off the top of my head, but it also seems like no, but the just most like, specific. Just, like generally, just generally for Hurt Comfort, I really hope you're in therapy and I hope you're doing well. <laughs> Enemies to Lovers sometimes scares me a little bit too, I'm not going to lie. Um, That's fair. That being said, I feel like every book i've read lately is is enemies to lovers so maybe i'm slowly converting you the the books had other selling points that weren't enemies to lovers that like we hunt the flame Mm -hmm. yeah that is a little bit of that but also like it's you know right up my alley in so many other ways so 
it, the authors are um just putting those things they're combining so many things i can't i can't just choose one thing anymore maybe i should go back to fanfic <laughs> maybe I, I say back as if i was ever actually that into fanfiction but mm-hmm. in conclusion a lot of these romance tropes existed but weren't necessarily called out the same way they are now that we are all publicly admitting that fanfiction was a thing that we were aware of and consumed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of admitting that fanfiction is a thing that we were all aware of and consumed, lots of it just gets published now. Um, just They just take it, they change the names from characters that already existed to characters that they quote-unquote invented, and they put it on shelves and probably one of the most notorious examples of this is going to be 50 shades of gray yes um which is a a twilight bdsm fan fiction that uh, now all of your mothers have probably read yes sorry to break it to you um and 50 shades of gray went through what's known as pooling to publish where it actually did start out as a fan fiction with the Twilight characters' names, but they changed the names and some of the details in order to make it publishable as an independent, like, property. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's happened to a number of different fanfictions. A lot of them Twilight fanfictions, because we learned that there are just a lot, a lot of published Twilight fanfictions. Yeah, way more than I had heard of or was aware of. Right, it just... Everything was Twilight. Oh my god, one of them is Christina Lauren. I just read a bunch of her romance books. Sorry, I'm reading... Are you sure they we, weren't Twilight? We have a... We <laughs> have a link that we'll drop so that you can read all these, but apparently Beautiful Bastard by Christina Lauren is also a Twilight fanfiction. And Christina Lauren is actually um, two people who write together. They're two friends. And I really liked, like, the holidays by them. They did the unhoneymooners, which is really popular on Book Talk. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting to learn. That was probably the only one I think I'd ever heard of on the list of the other uh Twilight fanfics, but it's mm-hmm. definitely <laughs> definitely a lot more than I ever thought there was. Oh cool. This one is Twilight fanfiction and hockey <laughs> hockey AU. Oh my god, wait. Number 10. What I didn't know I needed, I guess. (laughs) I will be reading that at some point, I'm sure. (laughs) Please let me know how it is. Like, I sacrificed and read the deal for this podcast, so. um. (laughs) Well, hang on, hang on. You said you were going to (laughs) read The Fifty Shades of Grey Midnight Sun, which is a thing that exists. I already regret saying that. It's it's (laughs) Fifty Shades Freed. Um, which is from Christian Gray's standpoint, and I think that I actually did know that that existed. Um, no, no, it's you- a it's a new one. So no, the trilogy, the it was Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades Darker, Fifty Shades Freed. That was oh. the original trilogy, and there's a new book. I I don't know what it's called. It might sh- might just be called Shades or something. I don't know. I sent you a picture. I thought it said Freed, so maybe that's why I was like, I I already knew about this. No, but it's it's I a new it's just, book and it's Fifty Shades of Grey from from Christian Grey's perspective. I think it's just called Grey. Yeah, I think you're right. And it says 
It was published in 2015. Oh, wow. That's actually way earlier than I realized. Although I guess we knew, we've known about Midnight Sun that long. Right. Because it was leaked in, what, like 2012? Mm-hmm. Right. I just... Mm. Oh, she and I guess she also did Darker, Fifty Shades Darker, as told by Christian. And then, oh. I guess, free, Freed, Fifty Shades Freed, as told by Christian, is, uh, came out June 1st, or... M- May have been supposed to have come out June 1st. I don't know for sure. Okay, the link is red on Wikipedia. Let's see. It does not have an article with this exact name. Eh, maybe that's where I got it from. But either way, like, it... I do re- kind of regret saying it. And now that I realize that I, all three I of them... I absolutely will not. I will not hold it to you. Hold now to that you. I realize all three of them have been rewritten from his point of view, like, I... We don't, we don't need any more of that. I mean, there's so much to be said about how that book was bad for the the community. And I'm just... I don't need to put myself yeah. through that. Please, no one attempt to read that franchise and think it's going to be an accurate depiction of BDSM relationships. It is not educational. Do not take it as such. Oh, holy, holy shit! It's raining outside. Is like, that why the Roku are... remote fell from nowhere? Impending no. sign of rain. No, but before, like, right as we were starting to record, a Roku remote fell out of the fucking sky. Like, I don't know how it fell. It was supposed to be over on my couch. Somehow it, like, fell at my feet at my desk. They're not near each other. Anyway, in conclusion, I do think I'm haunted. Like I said, it happens. Um. Anyway, lots of other published fanfics, though. Um, there's, There's the notorious Cassandra Clare, which we'll go into more detail eventually. But, Bailey, do you want to just give the overview? Basically, the uh, Mortal Instruments series started out as a Harry Potter fanfic. Ostensibly, it was Draco Ginny. There is some material taken from the Ginny Ron uh, time. Yeah. Cassandra Clare's... The, the title, the Mortal Instrument, was the title of a Cassandra Clare Ginny slash Ron fanfiction. Cassandra Clare's history within the fanfiction community <laughs> has a lot going on. It's complicated. A lot happened. Um, and we do plan to get into that on at like a later date. So for this episode, we'll just go ahead and say that a lot of the original writings that make up the Mortal Instruments series started out as fanfic from the Harry Potter fandom. Mm-hmm. And then another fanfic thing that was published, and this is a little later than a lot of the other stuff that we are talking about, is After, which was a fanfiction first posted in 2013 based on meeting One Direction and starting to date Harry Styles. And then it became a published book in 2014, and then it turned into a movie in 2019. Yeah, it's your pretty standard Wattpad meet the band fanfiction from everything that I've I've heard about it. I have not read it, but uh, you know, good good for Anna Todd for hustling that into a, a movie. It's impressive, right? It went through every iteration, and mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, main character, the Harry Styles character's name is something that has the same initials. So very very little done there to uh, change that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that a lot of 
the fan fiction that we know like this that has gone through this process to be published that stuff like started out published as fan fiction like on fanfiction.net or on wattpad or whatever and then they had to pull it like bailey was talking about to basically change the names and make everything different enough that they could publish it as like an original work but i I would would not be surprised to learn that like way way more of the books we love start as unpublished fanfiction or at least as like conceptually fanfiction i can't remember where i found this so this is totally unconfirmed this is a rumor Please don't hold me to this, but I saw on Tumblr that Red, White, and Royal Blue started as fanfic. And Bailey, I know I sent you something about it, but I can't remember what it was based on. Do you have any recollection of this? No, I do not. And now, like, you can't Google it anymore because so many people have now written Mm -hmm. actual Red, White, and Royal Blue fanfic where they, like, continue the lives of Henry and Alex and stuff like that, so... Finding the source yeah, of that I, is going to be, at this point, impossible. Yeah. Maybe I'll come across it eventually and I'll issue a correction or an update or something. But I think it it might have been the West Wing fanfiction. Um, or some, some, like, vaguely political TV show. And again, this is... Maybe I'm just starting a rumor. Um, but that's the kind of thing that, like, I don't think would be surprising. If, like, that was, like, the original conception and then she, like developed it further and turned it into the book that we love. Right. And one thing that is different about some fan fiction and some published works, traditionally published works is fan fiction tends to have a slightly different readability, not saying that either one is better than the other, but sometimes fan fiction is much more like we're going, we're going um, snippets of chapters. Not, I don't want to say snippets, but the chapters are a little less flow into one another than some traditional publishing. Um, and I think a lot of people did talk about how Red, White, and Royal Blue was very fanfic-like in many ways. And maybe that's just it's mm-hmm. because it's the it's a little bit like the trope of, like, regular dude meets famous guy and they fall in love. Except that the second son of the United States is not just, like, a regular dude. Sure. Yeah, that's something else that I really am enjoying is that even books that are not, that didn't start as fanfic, that aren't based on fanfic, they're just embracing this like unapologetic fanficy vibe in a good way. And that's like what Bailey was talking about. There's also um, Spoiler Alert by, shoot, I should have looked up her name first. Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade is just like the cutest little romance novel where like, a main plot point is that the two main characters write fan fiction and it's just like out there it's embraced. And that's another one where it's just a regular lady meets like the hottest, most eligible actor in the world and they fall in love. And like, that's just something that's super fanficy. And we're just, instead of like, you know, shaming it or whatever, we're just embracing it. And just like, just let me have normalized fanfic. Imagine. Yes. Just let me imagine marrying the hottest person on the planet. Right. I mean, we all do it. It happens to some people, I guess, like some people, some quote unquote normal people are married to celebrities, but we all, we all, we all want that. So let's write about it. Um, and then mm-hmm. I still have not read Playing the Palace. I think my wait is still eight weeks at the library. Uh, playing the Palace was extremely cute. It's 
got a similar like premise as red white and royal blue where like a regular dude although again like bailey pointed out alex as the first son is not just a regular dude but in playing the palace a regular dude meets the gay prince of england and then they have a love story it's that's pretty much where the similarities end and also if straight white ladies can have like 18 different movies about meeting a prince and falling in love with him over christmas like the gays can have two books about falling in love with the prince it's totally fine right it's what they deserve right so they're really they're they're not that similar other than the the basic premise but it's a very very cute and fun and like lighthearted book that just totally embraces the ridiculousness i'm here for it i'm excited to read it i just you know i've been trying to use the library as much as possible and means a lot of wait time Mm-hmm. yeah i also am trying to use the library a lot more um and i'm doing mostly pretty good about it but i do also like every time i get it your your wait's gonna be over six months i i just buy the book i've been patiently waiting for some for like that long and it's i often forget that i put them on hold until i get the notice and i'm like oh well, I, how many how many holds do you get bailey because i only get 20 holds um, I know we talked about this the other day in the yeah. book club chat, but I forget already. Yeah, because Kelly's is like has like a ton, and like she gets to have a ton checked out. But I only I only get fifteen checked out and twenty on hold. Hmm. And it's never enough. I don't remember how I looked this up last time. I thought I did, but I did not. Yeah, I mean, clearly we all looked at it before, and I was like, yeah. We know how to do this. Wait, I think it's like at your, um, if you click on the middle guy and you see your your library card. Yeah. See, okay. Click on the, the middle, see library cards. Okay, so for my one library, I can have 40 loans and 20 books on hold. So 20 holds, 40 loans. And then the other library allows 25 loans and 25 holds. I hate you. I know. I'm sorry. I'm also lucky that the one city allows anyone, any resident in my in the state of Ohio to get a card so mm-hmm. that I can have two cards. Um, mm-hmm. And because what I'll do is I'll look at the wait times for both and be like, which one's shorter? Uh, what that <laughs> does mean is that I did get six books available last week all on the same day <laughs> and had to um, postpone some of those holds. I finally got Crier's War, but I haven't started reading it yet. I've heard really good things about that. You'll have to let me know. Same. So, yeah, I'm going to get to some of these. I just have to play the library game. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anyway, circling back to podcast episodes. Uh, the Learning how to the game the library is- system is relevant to our um, podcasts. We need everybody to support their local library. It's fine. You are right, and you should say it. But... Anyway, I think that a lot of what we've been talking about, like, all of these little, like, fluffy, just, like, openly ridiculous plots, like, honestly, this may be what the romance genre has always been like. Um, And that's another thing that's, like, been really, like, shamed and stigmatized because women like it. Um, But now it's just something that we're way more open about. What is, like, time travel to the Scottish Highlands to like marry the super attractive Highlander of your dreams, if not kind of a little bit fanficy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that goes yeah, for like which... Outlander and the ones that are like 
dude half dressed in a kilt on the cover type novels. <laughs> you know, the ones that range from a lot more going on to just straight up romance. Mm-hmm. And that brings me to like my concluding thought, which is that when you think about it, everything is fan fiction. Every Greek and Roman retelling is fan fiction of Greek and Roman mythology. Fairy tale retellings are really popular right now. Those are all fan fiction. Um, anything about Arthurian legend, as uh, established last week, is just fan fiction because there is no canon. Right. Pretty much anything about monsters, werewolves, vampires, it's just fan fiction based on established, like a, a big pool of established um, tropes. Um, any updates of public domain books, like um, the very good. The Chosen and, and the Beautiful by Nevo, which is an update of Gatsby, now that that's in the public domain. Incredible book. It's great Gatsby fanfiction. Um, and even, like, things that get readapted, like the Boz Lerman Gatsby movie, it's just fanfiction. Right. Of Gatsby again. Um, the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, that's just fanfiction of the comics. I'm you know, gonna let I you like say we, that one. So that the Marvel fans don't come at me since I don't <laughs> do anything in mean, MCU. That's just what that's just what I mean it adaptations is. are. Like we've stigmatized fanfiction as like lesser, but like anyone that puts out something related to a property that has already existed in the past, it's fanfiction. It's just that sometimes fanfiction gets published officially. But I gotta tell you, it is fanfic all the way down, motherfuckers. Right. Well, and people always talk about with fantasy how like, oh, well, Lord of the Rings already did that. Lord of the Rings wasn't the first fucking person to do it. Sorry, Tolkien. You know what I mean. Like, (laughs) yeah, he did it in a way that is iconic and has lasted, but he wasn't the first person to tell a story like that using some of those those journey like, so yeah, there is some stuff that is much more directly pulled from like Lord of the Rings and then some of it's just all fanfic. It's just because it's something that's we liked and was good, but we want to put our own twist on it, or we want to add this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's time that we we acknowledge that and embrace it. You know, writing fanfiction and reading it is a good way for young people to um, hone their writing abilities and their reading comprehension skills and have fun with it. Uh, and you know. If you grew up to read a lot or write a lot or consume media in any way, you're just going to see more official, more polished versions of fanfic everywhere you look. Right. And I know there is some argument about, you know, the legality or I think it was Martin was, Gregor Martin was saying like, fanfic is just lazy because you're not doing anything all you're doing is a disservice he has apparently changed his tune now um about fanfic but sometimes i think that writing is a skill in addition to having the innate creative nature to come up with some of these things but sometimes you need to hone the skill where you don't have to involve as much of the creative process and some of that can be fanfic because you're not going through the, oh, I need to create a character, oh, I need to do this. You can take a character that has a basic outline and use them to to practice your writing and also create awesome new stories for people 
who maybe just really love um, a character or a set of characters, but need more than the canon material. Or don't yeah, want to agree. support the canon material anymore. Whatever the... <laughs> mm-hmm. Who could that be about? Anyway, no one, yeah, I no agree. <laughs> I agree 100%. I think that it's a great way to practice. It's a great way. It's a great creative outlet. You know, not even... Like, things don't even necessarily need to be for, like, publication. You know, maybe you're just having fun. And that's totally fair and valid. And I love that we're finally accepting that the way it deserves right and i'm not trying to entirely take down the publishing industry here but like fan fiction in many ways is more accessible than some published material as we just talked about you know we use the library i am lucky enough to have access to two of them and sometimes it's still Mm -hmm. hard to get a hold of what i want to read or i have to buy it and we don't all have disposable income to purchase every single book we've ever wanted to read Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really great point, Bailey. I appreciate you bringing that up. The accessibility of fanfiction can't be overstated. All of those websites that we talked about earlier are free. Right. And, so. you know, there are going to be things on there that are, you know, written by nine-year-olds and not proofread. But there are also going to be, like, really interesting and deep transformative works and things that people can really enjoy and latch on to. Uh, like, you know, all the young dudes, obviously. Again, we haven't finished reading it. but it's got such a big fandom that like clearly it speaks to a bunch of people. So. Right. I'm glad we're past um, shaming people for liking fan fiction too, because it just, there's so much out there. It's so interesting. And like you said, it does range from um, you and your friend writing the half blood prince (laughs) before it came out to, um, you know, like actual really well-written extremely long stories Mm -hmm. that just open up a whole new experience based around an existing world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really great. I love fan fiction. Um, I I go through phases. I haven't been like super into reading fan fiction recently just because I've been reading so, so many more traditionally published books. But... um, it's always nice to know that, like, I have it there. And I honestly, I have a handful of, like, my all-time favorite fanfics that I read once a year or so. I just go back and reread them because, you know, they're they're good and they mean a lot to me. And it's, it's nice to have it there. Sometimes you need to revisit an old favorite to sort of just get yourself, if you're in a slump or whatever, just feel good about it again. Not have to put mm-hmm. a lot of effort or force yourself. You're just reading something you love. Speaking of things that I loved, um, we're going to talk about some retellings in two weeks. So it will cover like fairy tale retellings, um, some Greek retellings. Mm -hmm. I guess I should go with mythology retellings there because I don't know that all of them are specifically Greek mythology. Yeah, that's fair. Um, we're going to talk about, as I've mentioned a couple of times, The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo, which is a really wonderful Gatsby retelling. Um, yeah, basically it's just going to be a continuation of this theme, but like looking into the retelling aspect a little bit more, more deeply and, and talk about some of the ones that have come out recently that we've really loved. Right. I feel like they have exploded onto the scene lately, even though they always existed. Although, you know what? I'm saving that for two weeks. You're going to have to come out 
come back and figure <laughs> out how that thought ends. Yeah, exactly. And as always, please don't forget that we are right. And we should say it. Pour yourself a glass of wine. Let's start reading in between the lines. Never know what we might find. Yeah, it could be magic. Oh. Rose Tinted Glasses is hosted by Katie Phillips and myself, Bailey Utrecht. Our theme song is by Anna Voss. Check her out on Spotify. And our logo is by Baby Truth Collections. See you in two weeks for our episode on retellings. Please be sure to rate and review us on the Apple Podcast Store. Thank you.